You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space For this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. Today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is brought to you by Your Birth Project and Your Birth Project is my online hypnobirthing course that you need to create your best birth. Doesn't matter what kind of birth you're planning or what kind of birth you end up having. It is applicable to all birth types and if you want to check it out you can head to www.yourbirthproject.com. You will also find my online store there which is products for pregnancy, birth and postpartum. They're all tried and tested by mums that follow the Kiwi Birth Tales page and suggested them or I've used them myself and loved them. So everything in there is something that I would buy for myself or my sisters or my friends. I don't have sisters but if I did I'd buy them for them (laughs) Um, or friends that are pregnant and yeah just products that I absolutely love. So make sure that you go and check out your birth project everything you need for your best birth, pregnancy or postpartum period. I'm finally back (laughs) with another episode. I'm sorry if you've been waiting so long for this. Um, I am just yeah trying to juggle a million different things right now, but I really, really want to prioritize getting this podcast to you weekly. So I'm sorry you've been waiting so long, but it is a goodie. This week I speak with Grace. She talks us through her really positive pregnancy, birth and postpartum journey. She has a relatively standard pregnancy, but she's really active and she ends up having some reduced movements towards the end of her pregnancy. So she talks us through that into a spontaneous labor, um, a hospital birth. There was meconium in her baby's waters. So she talks us through what happens from there and an epidural and Vontus delivery. She talks about the birth education that she did and how that helped her mindset and then into her postpartum experience. So I hope you love the episode. I will stop talking. You can jump straight into it. Let me know what you think. Send me an email, kiwibirthtales at gmail.com or a message on Instagram at kiwibirthtales. All right, let's jump into it. 
Hi, Grace. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hello, hello. Thank you. Um, I'm actually really stoked to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, so my name is Grace. I'm a PE teacher and an F45 trainer in Wellington. Um, And in my family is me, my partner Sam, my daughter Heidi, um, and we've got my friend Shereen that lives with us at our house too. Do you want to talk us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you and Sam? Well, the getting pregnant part was the easy part, but um, (laughs) prior to that, when I was a teenager, um, I had really bad um, periods, so I'd never had any confirmed endometriosis or anything like that, but um, when I was a teenager, I'd have to leave high school because they were just so heavy and so bad, Um, and then so went on, as many people did, contraception from quite a young age to try kind of sort that out and thought, well, this is doing wonders, I'm not getting pregnant, I'm not having period I can go swimming all the time it was marvelous um and then kind of popping out the other end of that and being like oh actually I kind of want to see what my body's like without contraception and that sort of thing and and had some friends that had come off and had had no issues whatsoever um and I was like oh that'll be me I'll just get my period back and we'll be all good to go um and I'm pretty grateful that I decided to come off contraception before we was even in our realm of wanting to get pregnant because it took me about nine months to get a period back and then from there they were very irregular and still continue to be very Mm. irregular from that point onwards um which I think is not necessarily an uncommon situation that people find themselves in um but yes so very lucky that we weren't trying to get pregnant at that point in time but yeah so um from that point on had very irregular periods so would be like 45 days, 30 days, 25 days. I just never really could pick what was going on or anything, um, which was fine. Um, But then in 2020, as most of the world was kind of wanting to do, we were planning on going to Europe for about eight weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, those dreams got very (laughs) cancelled, unfortunately. But it also made us reassess quite a bit of stuff. And so we decided... Um, that actually maybe that was our big push to kind of start a family, which I'd been trying to get Sam to do for quite a while. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, he kind of got him over the line. And um, the problem with me having the long cycles was, or the irregular cycles is I didn't know one, if I was ovulating or two, when I was ovulating. Mm. So when, when should we actually have sex? So first month we kind of were just like, I'm not going to track anything. We'll just have sex, see what happens, and go with the flow. Um, and, of course, nothing did happen that month. And then second month, I'm quite a competitive person, and I was like, all right, <laughs> if we're going to give this a crack, I'm going to give it you know, give it my all. I'm going to be yeah. taking my temperature. I'm going to be doing ovulation strips. I'm going to be doing it all. And, um, yeah, we were very, very lucky that that month we fell pregnant with what is now Heidi, um, which we were so, so stoked about. Um, but yeah, ovulation strips were definitely the thing that signaled to me that I was ovulating late, which I would never have known and probably wouldn't have been yeah. having, wouldn't have been trying during that period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And so how did you end up finding out that you were pregnant? Did you have any symptoms that made you take a test? Uh, no symptoms at that point. We were, it was a Friday morning and we were heading down to Queenstown for a good friend's 30th. And that night, it was, well, the whole weekend really was going to be a bit of a piss up and um, we were going yeah. on a pub crawl that night and I knew we'd been trying stuff and I was like oh maybe maybe just to be sure I'd better just do a test just in case because don't really want to be drinking a whole lot of piss if I'm going to be pregnant yeah. Um, yeah. and took a test and there was the 
faintest faint line and I like looked at it and looked at it and I was like oh and then your eyes are like am I is it are they deceiving me is that what's going on there um but I was like everything googled was like nah like if you can see it it's Mm. probably there kind of thing so I was like oh well guess I'm not drinking tonight then yeah yeah amazing and how did you feel like I just remember the like pregnancy test lines even though I knew I was probably pregnant was such a shock (laughs) how were you feeling when you saw that positive test yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, you're, like, you're actively trying, but you're still, like, yes. oh, my Lord. Exactly. I just remember, yeah. yeah, I went to the, um, I think I went to the warehouse straight away before our flight because I wanted to get, like, a little onesie to surprise my partner. And um, I remember just being in the in the warehouse and, like, looking at everyone and being, like, oh, my God, everyone <laughs> here has been in someone's stomach. Like, this is crazy. It was just yeah. like, oh, it was a very surreal moment. But, yeah, so exciting, so happy, so cool. Um, just super, super lucky. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And did you think that you wanted to go with a midwife for your care? Yeah, so I think um, midwifery care was definitely something I'd heard about from some of my friends, and I love the idea of having the same person throughout, as I know that's yeah. not necessarily the case in different countries around the world. Mm. Um, so finding a midwife for the process um, was relatively easy for me to begin with. I had two of my really good friends that had used the same midwife and they really recommended her. So I reached out to her and she was like, yeah, I've got space. So that was awesome. Um, but also prior to that, had also checked out um, Find My Midwife. And I know other people on the podcast have mentioned it. It's like, it's yeah. like a dating app for people, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. Yeah. Like, so actually, that's what they should do. Though. Maybe that's a gap in the market. That's a good a, idea. <laughs> a Tinder version for midwife, swipe right yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I um, got in touch with her and she was so, so lovely. Um, great lady, as they as most um, midwives are, they're so such special mm. people. Um, unfortunately, she, due to family, family circumstances, had to cut down her clientele. And um, so she was only keeping people that were repeat clients. Um, I don't know if clients is the correct word there, yeah, but we'll yeah, go with yeah. that. Um, and so that was unfortunate. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I found one the first time relatively quickly. Surely yeah. I'll be easily find a midwife again for the second time. Um, so that's when I really had a big look on Find My Midwife and because everyone else had the same plan as us, that travel had been cancelled and there were so many pregnant people <laughs> and midwives were in hot, hot demand as they usually are and there were yeah. just none available. Um, I was searching high and low, I was willing to travel, I was willing to do anything. Um, not that I had any um, anything against maybe the hospital midwives that you can go to if you don't find a midwife, but I just really quite like that idea of having the same person that was a bit more personable and knew your story and situation. Um, so, yeah, I got to about, I think, 16 or 17 weeks, so about five weeks, and I hadn't had any nibbles or anything like that. And my mum is a teacher also, and she was actively on the hunt on my behalf. And then I met she, she um, was standing in the front yard of the schoolyard on road patrol one day, and she saw this lady walking towards her and was like, she she's a midwife I know she's a midwife and so had to talk to her and said but told like basically plead my case and unfortunately the lady wasn't taking on any other clients but she's like oh I might might have a friend that might be able to squeeze you in and so um got put us in contact with this other lady and yes she she could just take me in and um it's just fate because I ended up with the beautiful Antonia and it was just the best 
midwife that I could have ever ended up with. They are yeah. beautiful, beautiful humans. So thank God yeah. to my mum pouncing on people in the street um, <laughs> to get me the midwife that I ended up with. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And so from oh, there, yeah, I was able to have that continued care, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah, nice. Awesome. And what was the rest of your pregnancy experience like? Did you have um, all of the standard testing that's offered in New Zealand, and did you find out the sex of your baby? Yeah, so um, everything was, and I hate to say it, but I'm also celebrating the fact that um, most of my pregnancy was pretty textbook. Um, I didn't really have many symptoms in that first trimester, just those really sore boobs that everyone complains about and the nipples oh my god in the shower like <laughs> just like a shaver blade going over yeah. the hospital or something like that yeah. um yeah. but no I didn't have any nausea or that fatigue as well um as you probably know too it just absolutely knocks you sideways you just can't sleep enough yeah. which is wild um but no I was super super lucky that um didn't really have many symptoms that stopped me doing things like my work um, I am an avid exerciser and runner and um, kept going to the gym E45 for the, my entire pregnancy. Um, so I was super, super lucky in that regard. Um, just the acid reflux in that third trimester, that was so, so awful. I just couldn't get enough yeah. um, Gaviston yeah. down my throat to cope with it. Yeah. 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 I can um, relate to that. It's pretty horrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just nothing alleviates that whatsoever, Yeah, nothing at all. I really didn't mind what we were having, my partner Sam didn't really mind what we were having, and um, I was like, actually, pink or blue, yellow, green, purple, orange, <laughs> didn't didn't really phase us whatsoever. I know that some people are super big planners, but for me, yeah. I was like, you can paint walls, you can buy clothes, yeah. like, um, a baby's a baby, and I'd had really, my mum kind of pushed the idea of like well you know you want to you want to be surprised at the end you know like a bit of incentive to get you through the whole labor so I know some people just couldn't stand it and wanted to know um, but what I found really interesting about that was people's reactions to us finding out not finding out the sex of the baby because obviously a lot of people do now and it almost seemed like the older generation were so stoked that we weren't not that I'm pushing one way or the other because I it's totally up to you but the yeah. older generation couldn't believe that we weren't finding out because that's kind of all they had and on offer when they were giving birth yeah yeah um yeah so that was that was really lovely it was a nice wee surprise at the end there awesome and did you do anything um along the lines of antenatal classes I know that you said um it was COVID and <laughs> lots of people yeah. were pregnant as well at the same time as you but did you do any antenatal classes or birth education in your pregnancy yeah, so um, as I kind of alluded earlier, I quite like to have all the information at hand, everything going on. Um, so I kind of did a bit of everything. Um, we attended two out of four of our internal classes because we had a couple of weddings on. Um, we did the hatched um, online classes, which were really great because um, we could just do them from home. And then I did do your birth project as well, um, just because I was like, I just want all tools um <laughs> in my hand to be able to you know grasp this and handle all this so um yeah just a little bit of everything really which was really cool yeah awesome and did you have many thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go um I think everyone kind of has like a desire or a dream about how they would quite like theirs to go um I mean probably if I'm honest my ideal situation would have been um 
unmedicated vaginal birth was kind of the ultimate end goal. But I was also very open and very realistic that um, shit can hit the fan and you just <laughs> never know what is going to happen. Um, yeah. I did quite like the idea of being at a hospital just in case. Um, but then I did also toy with the idea for a little bit that maybe I could do a home birth. But then I was like, oh, first birth, I think it's better to just stick to the hospital scenario. Um, yep. Yeah, stick to that one. Just in regards to the testing, um, we did do all the standard testing, that sort of thing. Um, so we got a dating scan because we just due to my irregular periods, we weren't too sure how far through I was. Um, then got the 20-week scan, or 12-week scan, and then the 20-week scan, um, and then all the blood work that goes with there, and then the gestational diabetes. Um, I'm not too sure necessarily if I, in the future, have any more children, if I would get the diabetes one again. Um, mm. I totally understand its importance and relevance, but I just didn't really have any risk factors. So, yeah. um, And I know that some people get it without having risk factors, but I'm just not sure I'd necessarily opt in for that um, next time. Um, yeah. And I'll probably chat about this a bit further, but I ended up having some extra scans at the end um, yeah. in the last couple of weeks before Heidi was born. Yeah, yeah. And do you want yeah. to talk us through what those scans were for? Yeah, so that kind of aligns with what you mentioned just earlier. Um, yeah. So I, in my 12-week scan, they highlighted that I had an anterior placenta. So um, just, I suppose, for other people, but you'll probably know this, it means your placenta's on the front. So yeah. basically it's as like a big pillow essentially on the front of your tummy. Um, and so for me, that meant that I actually didn't feel any babs's movement until she was about 26 weeks, mm. um, which was quite far along because everyone was like, oh, you should be feeling flutters. It should be feeling really nice. And I was like, I literally can't feel anything. <laughs> should I be feeling something? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, is it it? Is it it? And you're like, oh, no, it's just like a bit of gas or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so didn't feel anything until about 26 weeks. Um, as I mentioned previously, I was super active throughout my pregnancy. So um, I didn't gain a hell of a lot of weight um, in regards to anywhere on my body. I was pretty same size. I didn't buy any maternity clothes because everything was fitting and people, not that I'm like gloating about it because it's not something to gloat about it's just what my body did people yeah, didn't even yeah. really know I was pregnant um just because my belly was just just it was just all baby really but yeah as we yeah. um started to like um get to the third trimester and um they started measuring your belly a bit more I don't know if you had that but like the fundal height so from your I think it's like from your pelvic bone to your somewhere at the top of your stomach um yeah they started to notice that from about 31 weeks each time I got measured it wasn't increasing or was barely pressing at all which they you think that's when baby's getting really really big so baby should be growing quite a bit during that time yeah. um yeah. so they were just a little bit concerned about that um even though they were well aware that I was still you know exercising and stuff like that um there should yeah. still have been some growth so from there it was like oh let's just check up on bubs and see is Bub's growing okay? Um, mm. Is everything all right in there? Um, and, um, yeah, so I had a couple of growth scans. Everything was going all good. I think the thing was they had to have them spaced out, like, fortnightly to in order for baby to grow enough to be able to make the comparisons. Okay. Um, yeah. When I got up to, um, I think it was, like, 36 weeks, um, I ended up having a couple of episodes of reduced fetal movements. So 
Um, this was a little bit of a bit of a mindfuck essentially for me um, because I'd had those like not super crazy movements having the anterior placenta. So sometimes I didn't feel baby move a lot of the time. Mm. And so when I did have reduced movements or what I perceived to be reduced movements, I thought I was overthinking it and I was like, oh, should I should I call Antonia about this or do I not? And then you get yourself into a bit of a state because you're like, well, what if I don't call? And then something's wrong with the baby. And you hear those really sad stories where, you know, the baby does pass and that sort of thing. And then, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I should act. So um, the first time I was like, no, I'm not going to work myself into a state. Prior to calling the midwife, I did everything they say, you know, drink cold water, lie on your side, jump up and down, have some lollies, everything like that. And like, you know, push and probe the baby. Um, and rang up Antonia and she, I think this was in the, the morning and she said, come on round to my house because it was re- just around the road um, and we'll just have a check what's going on. Um, so I went round there and she checked baby and she's like, yeah, baby's heart rate's all good. Um, they're going fine. She shoved baby a few times and baby reacted to that. And she's like, she'd put her hand or like feel quite deeply on my tummy and be like, can you feel this inside? And it was baby kicking, but I couldn't feel it but she could feel it. So it was mm. quite, it was almost like there was a disconnect between what was going on in my body, but what I could actually feel from the inside. Yeah. And I really do think that was that anterior placenta. So it was like, okay. Um, she's like, but do, do not be, and I'd probably say this to other people too, do not be alarmed or worried or think you're overreacting to make that call to your midwife to yeah. say, hey, I'm having reduced movements. It's so much better to be safe than sorry, 100%. Yeah. I think she tried to get the baby's heart rate and stuff like I said but then she decided also that maybe we should go into the hospital just to be sure and hook me up to the CG- CTG machine which um, I think that's what it's called yeah. um, monitors their heart rate and movements and that sort of thing so um, she was fi- pretty sure everything was fine but just wanted to like track it and everything so went on in there um, and did that and got that all tested and baby was fine and stuff um, yeah. but the hospital said if you do get reduced movements again, please let Antonia and please let us know and just come straight in to us instead and um, like skip that process and just come straight in because rather be safe than sorry. Um, yes. So yeah, about I think maybe eight days, I get my dates confused here, but it must have been when I was about um, 38 weeks, um, it happened again. And so I rang up Antonia and said, hey, this has been going on for about an hour or two hours. Um, I've done everything. And she's like, all right, let's go straight into um, hospital, um, not like ED or anything, just into, it's almost like part of the birth ward in a bit, um, and they can look after you in there. And so we went in there and again sat there and had to be there for a few hours while they monitored me. And basically part of the um, hospital policy is if you present with reduced movements for a third time, then they really um, would like to perform an induction on you to get baby out because obviously with reduced movements, something's not going quite right there. Um, so they did signal that at that time. They said, hey, totally all good if you come in again, but if you do, we'd really like to do an induction. Um, so then um, after that, Antonio and I decided to come up with a wee plan of attack. I think this was on like the Friday and the following weekend she was going away. So our plan was to try get baby out, ideally, um, in an avoided induction and try to do like instant birth naturally mm-hmm. before she went away. Um, and um, yeah, so we're all, it was kind of like, 
all guns blazing, all hands on deck, let's try we can like to get this baby out because obviously this baby isn't liking being in there. It's um not really, you know, if it's having slowed down movements and things. Um, I just realised I forgot to uh, mention in between the two um, reduced fetal movements, um, they told me that I not to exercise, um, which was quite detrimental to my mental health at the time because that was the only way I was staying a little bit sane. Um, But then after the second time, they said um, that I could return to exercise. That baby was growing. It was just that the movements were being reduced, even though my fundal height wasn't increasing still. Even at that late stage in pregnancy, I still... Um, baby just seemed to be taking everything from me. It seemed, um, so yeah. yeah. Plan of attack became let's get let's get baby out. Essentially, um, yeah. I ideally wanted to avoid an induction. I'd done heaps of research on inductions. I'd listened to heaps of your podcasts about inductions and how people had really beautiful ones and that sort of thing. Um, so I wasn't worried about that. But if I could try start it naturally, mm. then that was kind of kind of the goal. Yeah. So, and Tony was like, all right, let's get some stretch and sweeps going. Um, so on the Monday, we did a stretch and sweep. And we I have never experienced anything like that in my entire <laughs> life. Golly, they're, they're, they're an experience. Um, yeah, so we, we went into the hospital for that because they quite like to get that sometimes to be done in, um, like, yeah, I suppose that environment. Um, yeah, and I, I will never ever forget. She had her hands right up there, and she just goes, "I can feel your baby's head right now." <laughs> and I was, I think I nearly vomited there on the bed. I was oh, like, no. "Oh my lord!" Um, but yeah, definitely a, a very, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, very painful experience. <laughs> um, but at that point, I was going to do anything kind of possible to get this baby out healthy in a way. Yeah. And, if that meant this, that meant this. Um, and so she said there on that Monday when she did that first one that actually she could get right up in there, get straight to baby's head. So things were already starting to open up and start to work. And mm. I was about one to two centimetres at that point. Um, so she said um, that was in the morning. And so I went back to work that – oh, no, I'd already finished work that day. Um, I went to the gym, I think, afterwards. And then she was like, go for a big-ass walk, do some curb walking. So I was stomping up and down the streets of Johnsonville. Um, <laughs> didn't care how much of a dick I looked like. I was like, nah, we're, we're going for this. We're doing this. Um, and then, yeah, so that was the Monday. And then for price this already, I'd started doing things like dates, raspberry leaf tea, um, a little bit of perennial massage, but had found that a little bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Had even tried Sam to have a go there, and we just ended up giggling, and it just – was not was not gonna was not gonna be a going thing. Yeah. Um so yeah the plan of attack then was to come if nothing happened, um, then to come in on the Tuesday to get another stretch and sweep. So I think I got a little bit of cramping on the Monday, but nothing nothing untoward or anything like that. Yeah. Um and then on the Tuesday I went in for another sweep, stretch and sweep. Um and yeah, it just continued on. I think I was a little bit more open, so instead of being one to two, I was now two centimetres. Um same sort of thing. Um, and then on the, we were like, all right, we'll give it one more shot. If you're on the Wednesday, we'll do a stretch and sweep. And if you haven't gone into lay by then, we might just need to put it on pause for Antonia to go away on her holiday and have her time away. And then hopefully mm. baby will come the next week. Um, she did have obviously backup midwives, but I, I got in a really good relationship with her and my partner was getting along with her really well. 
Um, so if we could make it that she was there, if we had a little bit of control over an uncontrollable situation, yeah. then we were going to time to see if she was going to be there. So, um, yeah, on the Wednesday, we um, did another stretch and sweep, and I think I was about two to three centimetres at that point. Um, I went to E45 to a wee cardio sesh because I was like, well, why the hell not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, lots of curb walking, um, and yeah, that was, um, I think I lost my mucus plug too. And when people were like, oh, how will I know how I lose my mucus plug? I was like, oh, okay. I, I, yep, that is definitely a mucus plug right there. Mm. There is no denying that. It is just a big, long snot, isn't it? Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry for the the details, but, um, yeah, so lost my mucus plug then. And I was like, all right, well, that's a positive sign. And Antonia was like, yeah, that, that's really good. But also be aware that sometimes it can come off in bits and yeah. it could mean nothing's going to happen for a week. Um, and I wasn't yet 39 weeks yet. So it was still, well, I wasn't, you know, overdue or anything like that mm. at this point. Um, but yeah, I remember we watched The Bachelor that night and we had some, like, a HelloFresh Mexican meal or something because I was like, oh, a little bit of spice might be good for the mix. And, <laughs> Yeah, I had some cramping when I'd been out curb walking, a bit like period crampy, but nothing nothing major, mm. nothing that I hadn't had the past couple of days with the stretch and sweeps. And then um, went to bed, um, didn't think anything of anything. I was like, oh, here we go, another night of just, you know, mm. try and get this baby out. Um, and then woke up with a little bit of a start. I think it was about like 10.30, 10.45. And I was like, oh, there's, there's something going on in my tummy. And I was like, or oh, was that the Mexican? Was that a silly decision having black beans? Like, what have I done? Um, and so I got up and went bathroom. Um, and as, as it seems like a lot of women or people, it happens to, um, the bowels just opened. And I thought that was my Mexican coming out of me again. So I was just like, all right, well, I'll hop back into bed. Um, and I kind of just kept, like, feeling like well, what I now know is contractions. Mm. Um and I was like, these these are quite these are quite sore. Like maybe this mixing really hasn't done done wonders on me. It didn't like me. And so I was like, oh, I'll just go downstairs. And my partner Sam was asleep in bed, and he doesn't cope with not a lot of sleep. So I didn't want to mm. wake him up. Um, so I went downstairs, and I was like, oh, I I think there's a little bit of a something something going on here. So I went downstairs, and we had um just some like fairy lights set up in the lounge. To be completely honest, they've probably been up for like five years since Christmas and. <laughs> god knows when but they yeah. they were up and I was like oh, I might flip them on set the mood a little bit um and then I was like oh I do have a, a wee contraction timer I wonder if I should just like see what's going on here and that sort of thing so I started timing them and basically from about like half an hour and they were 45 seconds long and every three minutes <laughs> so I was like what is the shit yeah I was like, yeah <laughs> I was like, I have watched movies, people have given birth, and they've had plenty of time <laughs> to pot around and do things. I was like, what is this? Um, so I was like, oh, surely, like, you know, it's so early. Nah, nothing's really happening, but this must just be what happens. And I've just, you know, I thought I'd done all the reading I needed to do. Um, I just couldn't get over how sore and intense they were straight yeah. away. Like, I was getting very, very little respite. Um, mm. And then it got to about 1 a.m., and I was like, I think I should wake Sam up. He probably wants to be down here for this slash I need him down here for this. <laughs> um, so I went and woke him up and I was like, babe, I think I'm in labour. And he was like, oh, oh, woke up with like a start. 
and he was like, oh, what, what can I do? And he kind of jumped up and came downstairs and things. And then he came down. And I don't think he was fully aware of like how far through I might have been at that mm. point. And he, then he could see me on all fours downstairs on the couch. And he was like, oh, okay, yep, yep, yep. And so um, I think I lasted for about half an hour more. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think we need to get mum and my auntie over. So the plan for who was going to be in the birthing suite with me was going to be the midwife. Sam and then my mum and my mum's sister, um, my auntie, um, because mum, I love her dearly, but she can she can get quite excited and crazy. Whereas <laughs> Fiona, my auntie, is quite a calming presence. And I knew Sam; he doesn't usually do well with um, blood and guts and that sort mm. of thing. And we'd watched um, like one born every minute. I made him watch so many episodes <laughs> of that with me, and he did get into it in the end. But like he was like. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I need, I need, he needed support people more than mm. I did, if that makes sense. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have, we had the whole whanau around at this point. Um, and then, yeah, we kept timing and everything on the contraction time, I kept being like, I kept popping up being like, you need to go to hospital. You need to go to hospital. I was like, mum, but I've, I haven't been going that long. Like, I've been mm. only going a few hours now, but it was like, go to hospital, pack your bags, go to hospital. And I, then I didn't, I, everything I read had been like, you know, you're probably not as far through as what you think. So if you can yeah. hold off for a little bit longer, and I knew there was that like unwritten rule about hospitals that they wouldn't take you in if you weren't like four centimeters or thereabouts or something like that. And so I was like, no, no, I need to keep pushing through. I need to keep pushing through. And I like, I tried a few different things. So we had the Swiss ball and the Swiss ball was marvelous in the last couple of weeks of pregnancy, bouncing around the lounge and that and finding different positions that you're comfortable with. Um, I think I got two too, my contractions got too intense too fast so I never yeah. had time to set up a ten, like we had a TENS machine but I never had time to set it up to get it going to figure out what was good because there was never going to be any good at the point I was at at that time <laughs> yeah. nothing was going to do good but yeah I just remember leaning on chairs leaning on the couch um, and then there was a lot of talk around about like maybe maybe we should call Antonia because I was well aware it was the middle of the night at this point at like 2am or something um, yeah. you know, and you don't really want to call them and wake them up unless you really want to, even though, you know, they probably know that they're expecting a call. Um, so at about 3am, we were like, nah, let's, let's call Antonia. And she could hear me in the background making noises and she tried to talk to me on the phone and I couldn't talk to her. So she was like, yeah, let's, let's just head on in, eh? These contractions <laughs> are too close to you for my liking. So we're like, cool, sweet. Um, so we decided to head on in. Um, and as is, quite typical of birthing stories we were driving from Johnsonville to Newtown if people know Wellington so it's probably about like a 20 minute 25 minute drive um with no traffic or anything like that and there was no traffic because it was 3am so everyone was in bed (laughs) um but right before the hospital and I think anyone that birthed around the same time as me um or the months around that time um there was roadworks on right outside the hospital which was mm. not ideal whatsoever and we pulled up and there was like a stop go person and you couldn't go in the main entrance to where the birthing unit slash like emergency area was and he's like oh no you can't get in there you've got to go around this way and I was literally like on all fours in the car seatbelt wasn't on I was mooing and yelling and all sorts because it's a bloody <laughs> awful thing driving in the car and he's like, nah, you've got to follow the detour up and around here. And Sam was throwing a few explosives around. He was like, can't you see we're in labour? Like, we need to get through. And no, there was no way we're getting through there because they were doing some bloody tar stealing or something. 
And so ended up going this wrong um, up this detour. And then the chick at the, one of the road worker chicks at the other end then gave us the wrong instructions about which entrance we needed to get into. So we ended up mm. in this back service area and it was just almost laughable. Like Sam was getting stressed and I was just like, of course this is where we end up. Like, of course that we do. Um, ended up finding where we needed to go and um, Antonio had gone straight where she needed to go. was like, well, what took you two so bloody long? Like, and we're like, oh, don't even ask. Um, so got to the got to the hospital eventually, got on where we needed to be. Um, but I feel like that's something that people don't quite talk to you enough about either is the walk from the car to the hospital mm. when you're literally stopping every, like, five to ten steps and you're like, oh, no, and you keel over and you do your breathing <laughs> and you do your bits and bobs and you you come to and you're like, yep, I'm good to go again. And you do another 10 steps and then you keel over. And yeah, so we got there. We got there in the end and yeah. got in. And um, I vividly remember one of the midwives as we came in saying, oh, you're birthing on a great night. There's only one other girl in here. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, marvellous. I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered to me if there was 50 or one really at that point. Um, but yeah, so we got into the room. Um, and Antonio was like, let's just see what's going on. Let's hook you up a little bit because obviously we had been having those um, reduced facial movements and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Not during labour, but um, just wanted to make sure. Um, and then she's, <laughs> I, I, she's such a dad. I love her so much. She was just like, well, should we get the show on the road? Do you want to start getting this baby out? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, mean, I, I, could, I could do that. And she's like, all right, how about we break your waters? And I was like, yeah, go on. Why not? Um, and thank God she did because she broke my waters and then she's like, Grace, your kids shat all inside you. And I was like, (laughs) Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, bugger. Um, so yeah, for people who obviously don't know, that means that your baby's a little bit under stress, essentially, because they've pooed themselves inside you, which is not good. Um, so that basically that moment there changed the entirety on of the future of my labor and some of the decisions we made in regards to getting a healthy mm. bubs out um so from there they really want you hooked up um as much as possible so you've got the thing around your belly you've got monitors on um and really reduces your ability to say get in the bath or get in the shower um and that sort of thing um so i continued laboring on for another hour baby seemed all good um and I was just doing my thing on all fours because it seemed to work for me, um, making lots of noise. And um, then Antonia came and she said, all right, let's talk pain relief. Um, mm. What do you want to do? Do you want anything? Do you want the gas? And I was like, absolutely freaking not. The thought of gas and sucking on something right now, nah. Because I had this really, really weird like breathing thing that was working quite well for me. I'm not too sure if it was from your breathing techniques or a modification of a few things, but I was doing this like four in, four out. And as long as I focused it on four and four out, I was okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she was like, gas. And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. And she's like, okay, we'll do no gas then. And then she was like, all right, well, let's have a serious conversation about an epidural. And she's like, 
if shit hits the fan, as this kid seems to like to create a bit of a scene, <laughs> um, then if you don't have an epidural, then there is a high, high chance, um, and I'm pretty sure an obstetrician came in at this point too, um, there is a high chance that you'll just need to be knocked out completely for an emergency C-section. There won't be time for you to have a spinal or an epidural or anything like that. Um, we just would need to get the kid out. Um, mm. Whereas if you have an epidural, then we can just top that up more if you do need to go for an emergency C-section and you can still be awake. And so yeah. basically that whole conversation there, it was it was a pretty simple decision really. It was like, yeah. obviously the the baby wasn't too happy inside. Um, they had pooed and they were stressing um, and they wanted to get out, you know, wanted to come party with us. I understand we're quite good fun. <laughs> um, and so it was like, yeah, let's get the epidural. I really wanted to be awake no matter what sort of delivery I had. Um, I didn't want to be knocked out. I wanted to be there to see the birth of the baby, whatever way or shape that kind of took. So we're like, sweet, cool, um, let's get the epidural. Um, and that, like I said, there was only one other person birthing at that particular time. So the epidural came pretty quick. Um, and it was almost surreal. It was like something out of the movies when Nephi Drill comes in and they like talk to you about it all and you're like, oh my God, I'm actually getting this injection that people, you know, you've, it's like you've heard about but, and then you're finally getting it yourself. Um, but as I know I'm not alone and it is such a scary thing getting the epidural done because you just have to sit there but you're still obviously contracting because you don't have the pain mm. relief yet. And I just remember like screaming, being like, it's coming, the contraction is coming stop stop don't do it and of course they weren't going to do it because they can like sense it coming on the monitors and stuff but I yeah. didn't know that so I was like no 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 and then they, yeah so they ended up um I don't he'd like pop not like not burst something or not pop something but something like there was a little blood vessel that got a little bit nicked or something like that so they had yeah. to do it again um which again isn't uncommon but good to kind of be aware of that sometimes mm. you know first time it doesn't work and that sort of thing um so I got that in and um, Sam was absolutely shitting himself when I got that in. I think he was more scared for me getting that done than the actual birth. So my auntie was taking photos throughout the whole whole process. Not that I needed like a romanticized vision of birth mm. or anything like that, but I just really wanted to see what the baby coming out of where it came out of looked like. That was purely yeah. selfish purposes. So um but yeah, so the the look on Sam's face as I was in the epidural, he was like biting his nails, he was so nervous, so scared. Um but also gripping my my hand very tightly as I squeezed his. So um, he was a great support there. But yeah, got the got that done. Um, and then it took a little bit of time for that to get into effect. I like, think like five or ten minutes. And then, oh my Lord, I just remember being like to mum, why doesn't everyone get this? Why would you choose not to get this? It was like amazing. Um, I could yeah. control it. I could be like, yeah, I want to feel more. Yeah, I want to feel less. Um, I just like relax so much. Sam got to have a sleep, so he was stoked. Um, I was like, this is amazing. Like, why would you go through all that pain? I mean, I get why you go through all that pain. I, I don't, I get it. But I was also like, this is brilliant. What an amazing yeah. invention. Um, <laughs> and so I think we were like, okay, well, after that's all gone on, let's just see, have a check, see where you're at. Um, and at this point, I was thinking I was like four to five centimeters. Um, and I don't think Antonia checked me when I first came in um, because she broke my water so quickly um, that there was no real point. And once, yeah. you know, there'd been meconium, I wasn't leaving the hospital. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at this point, I was like four to five centimetres. And um, they were just like, Antonia was just like, well, we're just going to let you kind of ride it out from here. They put oxytocin in me to like speed it up a little bit because obviously 
baby still was like okay but like would be better on the outside um so just want to keep things moving a little bit um and yeah and then at about 6am we had a really scary moment where um (laughs) it's like it's not that's amazing it's really amazing I laugh but I shouldn't laugh how calm these professionals are in the situation so Antonio was just like um Sam can you just push that button behind your head there and he was like oh okay turn around push the button and then like 20 gazillion people run into the room um and basically what had happened was that baby's heart rate had really really dropped and hence why they had rushed everyone in so Mm. they basically reclined me on the bed and turned me on my side I think it was to get baby into a position to get the heart rate's baby um baby's heart rate going a bit better um but while they were doing this and this is something I in all my preparation had never read about epidurals was that epidurals make you shake and I no one had ever told me that so um Mm. when I was on the side position yeah did did you know that or do you yeah I did only because that happened to me yeah 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 yeah. oh there you go yeah (laughs) um yeah I'm, I'm I'm preaching to the preached here um but yeah, so I put, they put me on my side to get baby's heart rate back um, or boost it up a bit. And as they turned me on my side, I started just like uncontrollably shaking uh, and I could see yeah. fear in Sam's eyes. And they were like, no, 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 it's all right. This is just part of the epidural. And it was like you were like freezing cold, shaking like you were in Antarctica, but you weren't. You were obviously warm. Mm. They put blankets on you. Oh, that was lovely. They had the warm blankets that feel like they've literally come out of like the dryer beautiful yeah. and they put them across you it's, it's lovely the little things you remember eh? yeah um but yeah so there was a very scary eight minutes um where they were like you know you can hear you're lying there and you're like they're talking about you but they're not talking with you they're talking mm. to each other about you and you could just hear things like c-section this blah 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 and you know when you're worried like that in that particular situation like Yes, my ideal was a vaginal birth at that time. I was like, I, I don't care. I honestly don't give a fuck at this point. If I have to go for a C-section, that's yeah. what I'm going to do. I just want this baby out happy. Um, and so then they turned me on my other side because baby's heart rate wasn't sorting itself out. And then it just suddenly, all of a sudden, just sorted itself out and mm. perched back up again and baby was happy as. And so they decided to turn the oxytocin off because they were like, I don't think babies, like you've already got naturally quite intense contractions. I don't think we actually need the oxytocin to make it even harder and more intense for baby. Um, mm. And so we'll give you a bit of extra time to see how long you dilate and keep on going. Yeah. Um, and very luckily from me, from there, my contractions just naturally ramped up on their own. Um, I could keep on like meddling with my epidural and figuring that out. Um, mm. I was also quite scared at this point that I would have to still go for an emergency C-section. So I kept topping up my epidural if I started to feel even like the slightest bit of um, movement or contraction, that sort of thing, um, which may not have been, it might have been to my detriment as I'll continue on earlier. But um, at that time, that was just like what I thought was kind of good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah, I gave, got given some time to like continue on progressing. And then at about 10.30, <coughs> sorry, about 10.30, um, they were like, oh, should we just do a check? And, and or Antonia was like, I'll just do a check just to see how far along you are. And then she was like, oh, well, we're 10 centimetres now, aren't we? And I just remember my mum, like, pooping and hollering. And I returned to her and I was like, mum, I've still got to get the baby out. It doesn't mean the baby's <laughs> here yet. Um, but we were very surprised that from about, like, say, 7 till 10, I'd probably, like, 
gone about six centimetres in that short mm. space of time, um, which just seemed incredible. Um, so, yeah, they, there was no – it was weird because I thought, oh, yep, 10 centimetres, boom, let's start pushing now, you know, that, that's how things go. But as kind of people in hospitals and things go, they're all very calm and controlled and, you know, that nothing's a rush unless it's an emergency. And so um, Antonio was like, no, nah, just rest up for a little bit longer, take your time. I'll just yeah. go sort some things out here, and then when you come back, we can start pushing. Um, and there was always the obstetrician doctors nearby just in case because of what had happened, what had preceded things. Hmm. Um, and then at about 11 a.m., she was like, I think I think we're ready to start pushing, Grace. Do you want to start pushing? Because um, baby's heart rate was starting to get a little bit low again. And I'm like, yeah, let's get this, this baby's, let's get this baby out. So started um, pushing and probably pushed for about like, 10 minutes um and then baby's heart rate started dropping low um again and so again all the doctors rushed in it was like another party in there again um and they started talking about different things like there was c-section and von two some forceps and lots of things thrown around and i considered myself quite lucky at that point that i'd been so into reading and researching um prior and watched so many like one born every minute because when they're saying things like forceps or von two or those sorts of things i was like oh yeah, I know what they are. That might mean I might need an episiotomy or things. And so I could be like quite, I felt really well educated that I mm. knew what they were talking about. And so what they said to me is they said, um, Grace, it's nearly quarter past 11 now. We're going to give you 15 minutes to have another go pushing. We've got a C-section booked at 11.30. At the moment, that's got your name booked on it if you can't get this baby out. Um, but if you can, awesome. But if you can't, we're going to take baby there to get baby out safely. Um, they said, we really want to try a Bontoose delivery, so the, the Kiwi cup where they kind of suction and pull out. Yeah. Um, as baby is just right there, but we just need you just need a little bit of extra help, like, getting them out. Um, so I was like, in my brain, I was like, well, girl loves a challenge, doesn't she? If you're telling <laughs> me I've got to 11.30, I'll bloody, I'm going to do it. So, yeah, so at quarter past um, 11, we started pushing again. Um, and this is when I, what I mentioned about the epidural, how I'd loaded it up. Um, I couldn't feel a thing in regards to my contractions. They had to tell me, all right, start pushing now and push. And you just don't know where you're pushing. I was like, am I taking a dump? Am I squeezing my vagina? Like, I, I, you just don't know. You have to just listen to their instructions. They are so, so amazing at it. Um, mm. But I do, I do think what it would have felt like or how I would have done pushing-wise had I not loaded up on the epidural but you can say what ifs about everything but yeah of course yeah, yeah. yeah. um so they gave me yeah so we started pushing at eleven fifteen, and I had that eleven thirty time of mine that they were going to take me away if I um for a c-section if baby didn't get out by then and with the Von Toos delivery she was born at eleven twenty seven. so mm-hmm. you know as far as I'm concerned I was three minutes faster than what they had <laughs> said so that was a success but yeah she um with just big pushes and a little bit of help and assistance from the Kiwi Cup, and out she came. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, what Amazing. we what we didn't know was a she, but turned out to be <laughs> she. And yeah, yeah. So cool. And did they put her up onto your chest straight away? What sort of happened next? Yeah. So they did um, verbalise to us earlier because of the meconium and the stress that baby had been under. That the so that was why so many people were in there. The paediatricians were in there, yeah. and they got the recess. Um, area sorted and that sort of thing but she came out and just screamed so I think everyone it was weird everyone just like exited very very quickly um and straight away she got put up onto my chest and um because we obviously didn't know the sex um mum was like what is she to Sam and then Sam's like well 
I don't know, where, where do I look? And we're like, uh, Sam, like, you, you know, the gyms are weary kind of thing. Um, but yeah, she got put up onto my chest and it was, I, I know everyone says the same thing, but like such a surreal, beautiful moment, the craziest, but most amazing moment of my entire life, you know, yeah, um, yeah. after, after all of that, that this baby was actually on my, on me and was breathing and well and everything. It was just like, holy moly. Yeah. 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 Amazing. And what happened next? Did they sort of leave you in the room for a while or did you go up to recovery or yeah, what happened next? Yeah, so um, a little bit of a whirlwind from there, but I do remember things pretty well because I think I was pretty with it. Um, she was on my chest for a hell of a long time. I did have my feet in the stirrups from when they were doing the Von Tuss delivery, um, yeah. and they kind of remained in there. And I remember someone saying to me that I had um, needed three stitches. I had a little tear that they needed to sort out, which when you look at the photos of how many hands were up in my vagina, you can understand why there was probably a bit of a tear there. Um, mm. but I, but also that's why it was good I had the epidural because didn't feel a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, and so she was just on my che- chest. Um, and while the stitches were being done, that did seem like it took a very long time. But not that I was worried because I was just staring at this baby on my chest. But yeah, it did seem like it took a very very long time. Of course, they probably want to do a very good job, hence why they take a while. But that seemed like it took a long time. Um, and then had to birth the placenta which you almost forget about you're like oh yeah. shit that's right there's something left in there and you're like <laughs> oh shit um yeah. and I genuinely can't remember if I needed the injection to get it out or not I feel like I did because they wanted to get it out quickly um but I just remember a little push slash Antonia pulling on it slightly and that was almost the weirdest in- like sensation than giving birth to Heidi was that coming out, that honestly felt like you'd taken, like, you hadn't been for a poo in 10 days and you'd finally gone for one and your stomach was flat as. That's what yeah. was into coming out. Felt like it was the weirdest sensation ever. Um, but, yeah, we all just stayed in the room. Heidi was just on my chest for a while. Um, and we had to go up breastfeeding. And I'd heard about this, but I never in my wildest dreams thought that this would happen. But she did the whole breast crawl thing where – She's on her, on the chest and then literally like crawls to your boob. I mean, at this point they were pretty big, so it was a bit hard to miss. So I don't know if that was talent or not by Heidi. Um, but yeah, she did the whole breast crawl thing and went there, and that was that was amazing. And you're like, oh my god, there's this baby on my tit. Like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and then it was really really fascinating because um, Antonia put the placenta in a bowl. Um, me personally, I didn't have any like care or um link to my placenta so I didn't feel the need to like keep it or anything but I know some people do um but she was like do you do you want to see it and do you want me to talk about it to you and I was like yeah go on I'm like fascinated by this stuff um and so she's like well this is why I think it's good that baby came out when they did and she's like look at all these bits on your placenta essentially your placenta's buggered hence why baby like hence why you put weren't putting on weight and why baby was getting a little bit stressed and why it's so glad that we got baby out because if maybe if we kept baby in longer, things might yeah. not have been super amazing for them. So yeah. I always joked that um, Heidi is one of these babies that was just better out than in just due to the, <laughs> yeah, just due to the placenta, you know, um, yeah. which is, which is so, so fascinating and a really yeah. interesting to know given the situation that we got to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, 
And then after that, um, oh, I remember going for the first shower with Antonia and it was just a bloodbath. Like, oh, the best shower because you just, you, you need a shower. Um, yeah. I mean, jelly legs walking over there, but just blood going blooming everywhere. Yeah. And then she was like, I'll just give you like a little bit of time in here by yourself. But if you get woozy, let me know. And then I made the rookie error of looking at myself in the mirror. And I'm just going to say this because I've told some of my closest friends this and I feel like it's something that women and people that give birth need to know too. But like I checked yeah. myself in the mirror and I was like, hey girl, how you going? And then I looked down and I was like, holy shit, your vulva are dangling down by your knees or like your flats <laughs> are dangling down by your knees. They were so swollen. I've never seen, like obviously I've never <laughs> seen anyone else's apart from mine in this yeah. situation, but that caught me by surprise big time. Um, so if anyone gives birth and is mortified by that, you're not alone. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was just like, oh my God, how they ever didn't get back to normal. Like they honestly just looked like they'd gone through a, a battle. Well, I suppose they had, but like, wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they did. They they are back to normal size now. I'm happy to report. But um, yeah, that that was like, oh, why did I look at that? Um, yeah, but yeah, that so the first shower, amazing. First shower was so so good. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I think there'll be lots of people that um relate to that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're so we're not alone, are we? Yeah. yeah sure. Awesome. And what happened next? When did you get to go home? And what was that experience like? Yeah, so um, I rem- a lot of the stuff I remember because there's photos of them. So if you've got someone that can take some photos, even if they're just like on an iPhone like ours, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, that happened because I had a wee look um, beforehand. So um, Sam dressed her with the midwife, and um, all- she oh, I forgot to mention, she was born very small too, um, not hugely small in the scale of things, but she was 5 pounds 14, so um, just a little wee thing. Um, which is another reason why, you know, better out than in and that sort of thing. Um, But we brought newborn clothes, thinking newborn will fit, and she really needed to be in prem stuff. It was just all swimming on her. Um, And it was amazing um, when we got back to the room how much pink stuff my mum had managed to source for us having only found out that the baby was a girl in two (laughs) hours. Like, she is a resourceful woman, that Marie. She really is. Um, but yeah, so Sam dressed her with the midwife and they did all the like checks and things that they do. Um, and then they did like, I think like blood glucose tests and that sort of thing. And then we got taken up to the room and she had another blood glucose test. I think it was something to do with her size or something that they take extra ones. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but she had a funny reading on one of the blood glucose tests. That was a white, a wee anomaly. And, um, my midwife was almost like, oh, I really don't think this. And I hope I'm not throwing her in the bus here, but she's like, I really don't think that's a true reflection of where Bubs is at. Bubs is fine because basically what that, um, and I, I'm sorry, this is going to end up taking forever, this story, but um, basically what that low blue toast test meant, meant that we had to stay 24 hours um, because she needed to be monitored because she needed to get her blood sugars up. And it meant that I had to feed her um Every time I fed her, which was at least three, every three hours, she needed 12 mil top up every single time yeah. to get her blood sugars up. So um, she, we went to the room and then she had to go into, I can't remember the exact terminology of the room, whether it's NICU or one of, it wasn't like, not for the teeny tiny babies, but they just, there's a special machine in there that they 
need. So we went in there and we did see some very teeny tiny babies, but it wasn't because she was teeny tiny. Yeah. Um, and they just had to do some special testing um, on her and then came back. And, yeah, they said that this is the protocol um, yeah. that we need to adhere to. And then Tony was like, yeah, I'm not really all for this protocol, but I totally understand and respect it. And it is probably the best thing that you're going to have to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we went back to the room and we and we sued ourselves up. And I think my um, – this was, like, late afternoon by that point, so, like, maybe 3 or 4 p.m. Um, and there's a photo of me on the bed. I was so, so hungry because I hadn't eaten since my disastrous Mexican meal the night before. And there's a, <laughs> there's a burger field just down the road from – um, Wellington Hospital and so my partner went and got me um, a burger and kuma fries if you know me you know I absolutely froth kuma fries and I just there's a photo of me in bed looking absolutely stunning eating my meal and Heidi's asleep in the, the bassinet cot thing next to the bed and um, it's like yeah that, that was like I was like I've done a bloody good job here yes, I've put in a big stint I deserve this um, yeah so that was that point and then yeah, basically they came in and said, this is the protocol that's going to be happening um, for however long we need you to continue this, which is a minimum of 24 hours. Um, you need to feed ideally every three hours and every time that you do mm. feed, you need to supplement, supplement um, with um, 12 mils of whatever it is that you can. So I had been super duper lucky that I had collected essentially a shit ton of colostrum prior to giving birth I'd done that that was also one of the things that Antonio recommended to try get birth going but it, what I was something I was going to do anyway and I had quite large success with um was collecting quite a bit of that um so I remember when we brought that in one of the midwives was like oh wow you do have quite quite a stash um but I don't know if you know how much colostrum you get from your boobs compared to 12 mils which is how much Heidi needed a top up per feed um, yeah. There's a little bit of a discrepancy in numbers there. So I was like pretty good at getting a good couple of mils every night from of colostrum um, when I was like essentially milking myself. But 12 mils um, in one stint, one feed to a baby is a lot. So our stores got diminished pretty quick. Um, and I'm really not sure why I put this on me, but I was like, no, nah, my supply is pretty good. I can just squeeze this out. And I just remember... Like, I just fed Heidi. It was the middle of the evening, and I was just, like, milking my tit while this midwife um, had this little plastic cup that she was collecting my, what wasn't milking my colostrum at that point, to then supplement Heidi with 12 mils extra, which just seemed absolutely exorbitant because mm. whatever she was sucking from me just seemed fine anyway. It just, it just and a lot of it was getting spilt anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah, after about, I think, the third time of me, like, my my tits were almost like sore because I'd been squeezing them so much. Um, I was just like, this is silly. And then one of the midwives was like, you needed to come to that realization by yourself, you know, mm. like, and they're like, do you want us to just do a formula top up instead? Like I'd feed her, but then they'd just do formula. And I was like, honestly, I don't even give a fuck at this point. Like I've been milking myself like a cow for the yeah. past 12 hours. This is just, yeah. this is just silly stuff. Um, So yeah, we did that and that was fine. Um, maybe in hindsight she would have been fine without any of those top-ups, but mm. it's just what they had to do. Um, and so, yeah, did that overnight. And, there were, man, the people that work in the hospitals and the birthing units are beautiful people. They just come in and they're so happy and so excited to see you and your <laughs> baby and so, so helpful and giving you advice because, like, you know, like, although our road with breastfeeding was pretty straightforward and very, very simple. And I was very blessed that I didn't get cracked nipples or anything or sore nipples at any point. Um, you still don't know what the hell you're doing and you need yeah. someone to show you that you, 
you need to smush your boob and what you need to do. Um, and to get, especially because Heidi was such this little baby, um, that, you know, her mouth wasn't super big compared mm. to the size of my boobs. So yeah, that was, it was so lovely having people in there that help you out. I mean, I know that's yeah. your job, but they, they are beautiful humans. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to hear that experience too. I think it's really encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And how did you find it like going home with her and being in that sort of newborn stage and adjusting to life as a mum once you got home? Like what was all of that like for you? Yeah. So well, our plan was to go to the um, Kinapuru birthing unit. I've heard really good things there. But after the night of just milking myself and just <laughs> full-on stuff, I was like, you know what, I just want to go to my yeah. own bed. Um, she was doing really well. She was thriving. She was exceeding all the expectations. Um, we just wanted to be our own space. I had this. I pretty much had feeding down, um, not to gloat, but just to, well, it was for us a yeah, very yeah. simple road in regards to feeding, and that does yeah. happen. And so I didn't really feel like I needed that extra support. Um, Sam and mine's family both live very, very close, as in like literally in the same neighbourhood. Um, he's got quite a few brothers and sisters. I've got my mum, my auntie very nearby. Um, and my dad had come down too. So I knew if we went home, you know, we weren't going to be left high and dry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So we, we made the decision to come home basically as soon as the test results said she could. We just gapped it out there. Um, <laughs> and that drive home was hilarious because you just, the most precious cargo on board and everyone is a boy racer driving about town and how dare they <laughs> yeah. drive so erratically um <laughs> yeah but yeah so got home and um we like we kind of found our groove pretty quick and this is kind of why I wanted to come on the podcast and share my story um is because like nothing or not everything needs to be all grim and awful and terrible like there can be really great okay stories too that mm. go pretty smoothly like Sam just stepped up <laughs> big time yeah. like he should do um he was doing nappy changes during the night and then I just fed and um, once my milk came in I was so engorged like I could have fed the entirety of New Zealand with my milk um I was very very blessed with a large milk supply um and I so like leaked on the sheets and everything but didn't phase him he just stepped up right from the get-go and um, we were just so besotted with our little girl and um I know it's quite yeah. unorthodox but we had so many people around in those first two weeks I'm a real social person and I just almost like wanted to show Heidi off I want to be yeah. like hey here's this little thing we we made this like she's pretty bloody cute come see her um but I think that took its toll on Sam he felt really um socialized out whereas I was like no no come on around give her a cuddle um and yeah we kind of got into the swing of things pretty quickly we were so lucky with the support we had too so um I think for me personally the best thing I did and continue to do um is leave her with people and I don't mean like go for days or weeks or anything like that but I just mean like even when she was like less than a week old mum would be like leave her with me you and Sam go for a walk around the block for half an hour and so she just had to cope with being with mum for half an hour or like two weeks old I'd leave her with Sam and I'd you know go and do my own thing I'd go to quickly nip down to the supermarket or something um and that we kind of just continued that theme and have continued that theme um right through so yeah. that ever since she was little she's just been used to being with such a range of people because she's got no choice you know like there's so many people that we love in our lives that are part of our lives that she just needs to slot into that part of our life too and that involves being a super social baby so 
Um, for her, that means being able to spend time with a range of people and maybe that's just her temperament and we're very lucky in that yeah. regard but I do really think that yeah. um, you do need to relinquish some of that control if you feel like you can so that you come back a better mum because I knew after I went yeah. for like half an hour walks and stuff I came back and then I was like all right I've had fresh air I've had a coffee I'm good to go I'm you're so much more a better mum um, but I totally empathize that not everyone's in a position to have that level of support or you feel like they can they can leave um, I was super lucky too that um, uh, we had, so Heidi was born on the 25th of March and it was Easter weekend coming up around there. So there was time off there where people yeah. could come around and stuff. But also my mum and auntie, I alluded to earlier, are teachers. And so I think it was like two or three weeks later, it was the school holiday. So Sam went back to work and my mum and auntie had the two weeks of the school holidays off and they didn't book any holidays away. I was like, no, I am your holiday. You're coming to see me and Heidi. Um, yeah, yeah, which they were so they were so keen to do, obviously. Um, so that was we we're very, very lucky to have that that support as well. That you know, I just had people that were there that I could just lean on and rely and ask twenty gazillion questions like, Mum, did this happen to you? Mum, was this formal? I don't know. Because I don't bloody know. Um yeah. 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 Amazing. Oh, very cool. And how did you go with your physical recovery from birth? Yeah, so I, again, I don't say lucky because I'm not lucky because it's just what happened to me in the cards I got dealt and that's just what happened. But um, the, although I had three stitches and they said a second degree tear, um, there was a couple of days and it was like, oh, oh, and a bit wincy. Um, but I was up and moving ASAP. I mean, if you think about it, I literally did an E45 cardio class the day I went into labor so it's unsurprising that my body <laughs> slash me was like let's get back into it so I was sensible yeah. about things um I didn't run for three months I was very very sensible in that regard I was like I do not want my insides falling out whatsoever um but <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely got into walking ASAP as soon as I felt comfortable and as soon as like the stitches are kind of gone so like I would say at least three days postpartum I was did like a just a little 10 15 minute walk around the block and then started building yeah. on that um and then it probably and this is just for me knowing that I have had um like I am a personal trainer and I know my body and it's what I've studied at uni and that sort of thing but um two weeks postpartum I was able to do a little bit of weights and then by four weeks postpartum I was back at E45 and then by six weeks postpartum I was back into everything bar running that I'd been doing beforehand and that's not to have me as a guide that is just to say that's what I was able to do and what mm. my ba my body was able to do but well aware that not everyone is able to have that sort of physical recovery and um, that's just what felt good for me and I just kind of rolled with it <clears throat> that was kind of like my pregnancy I the whole time I was just like if it feels good I'm going to keep rolling with it you know like and basically throughout my pregnancy exercise just continued to feel good so why would yeah. I kind of stop that um yeah, I mean, of course, I was sensitive to my, I'd just given birth um, and gone through all of that. So I wasn't silly about things and I put off running yeah. until I felt comfortable. But yeah, no, I was, I felt very fortunate that that's what my recovery kind of process was, was like in that regard. Yeah. One thing that I'm such a massive proponent for, and I really like, I love talking about my birth story. Um, hence why I wanted to share it with you and with other people. Um, I literally will tell any of my friends that listen, I'm like, do you want to see my mm -hmm. birth photos? I'll tell you about it. I will. I'll, <laughs> I'll show you. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. Um, but I really, really want to push that 
having education and having knowledge is so, 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 so powerful when it comes to giving birth. Yeah. Um, I think you need to, one, in order to get into a position to advocate for yourself and get a birth that is um, a birth that you want or a birth that you're happy with, mm. you need to be in a position to make choices and inform choices that come from a, a place of knowledge and education. So it's really on people as birthing people um, and their supporters and that sort of thing to do that research and do the education so that when you are in a situation where they might say, hey, Grace, we need to, we might need to use a Vontus. That's not the first time you've heard the word Vontus. Mm. And you're like, what the F is that? What does that mean for me? Is my baby going to be okay? Instead, you come from a place of power and you go, yeah, Vontus. I know what that is. That means they're going to do a suction on the baby's cup. I might need a piece yeah. on me. That recovery looks like this. And you can make an informed decision from there. Um, yeah. I yeah. truly wholeheartedly believe that had I not been as prepared as I was for birth, then my birth could have been a very traumatic one. And I'm sure people probably hear my story and think, hey, that's really similar to mine. And I don't feel so positive and so happy talking about it, which is yeah. totally okay as well. Um, and this is no judgment yeah. if people haven't done research or haven't done stuff because mm. we're all in different stages and life is bloody hectic. Um, but yeah. just even with the things that happened near the end of my birth, um, end of my um, pregnancy, and in birth, I would 10 out of 10, and I was literally just talking to my flatmate about this, I would 10 out of 10 have the same birth I had with Heidi again because I felt so, so empowered in that situation that yeah. I was making the right choices, me and my baby and my family, and yeah. I had the right people there supporting me. And that is something that all people that birth should be able to have. They should be able to have an empowered birth where they are in charge yeah. and in control, even if they have to make decisions that they maybe didn't want to make that they yeah. still feel in control of that situation and feel like yeah. that is the birth I wanted and not the birth I got, even if things were not my desirable one that you've written yeah. down on a bit of paper. Yeah, that's probably yeah. my my big, my big, big thing. And it almost makes me emotional talking about because I it upsets me that people don't have super positive births because it is such mm. a special time in their life. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I feel you. Yeah, that's why I'm... Doing the podcast and yeah. doing the birth course, all that sort of stuff, because I definitely feel the same way. It's just, yeah, yeah, education can make such a huge difference. And it's such a shame that we don't have a different way of providing people with that. But yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yeah. And no, I definitely think with your mahi, you're on the right track with that sort of thing for sure. And, oh, thank you. Yeah. Little baby steps that, you know, even if it touches one yeah. person, then that's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Grace, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. I know there'll be lots of people out there who take a lot out of your story. So, yeah, super grateful for you taking the time. Thank you. No, thank you for having me and sorry for talking so long. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it and a big thank you to Grace for joining me. A reminder that this week's episode is brought to you by Your Birth Project and if you want to create your best birth, it is the course that you need to do that. Or if you want to head to the online store www.yourbirthproject.com, you can find products for pregnancy, birth and postpartum that are tried and tested by New Zealand or Australian mums and we all love them so they are in the store for you to check out. So make sure you go and look at that and I will bring you another awesome episode next week. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.